Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, the first of a collection of long-legged tales. The long-legged beast of the Magura Forest was originally released on the 30th of December 2020 and is read to you tonight by Sam Barlian, with additional voices provided by Sean Brodeur, Petr Buha, and Mike Jesus Langer, with musical backing by Petr Gabler. This is the first story of a collection of tales about the titular long-legged beast. If you want to hear more about this strange creature, make sure to tune in for the next chapter of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams. New episodes come out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday on your podcasting platform of choice. With all that said, get comfortable and prepare to be transported through mysterious Megura Valley. His sheepskin coat was covered with snow and mud. The rifle strapped across his back was broken in half. Without greeting us, he stumbled to the barkeep and demanded Palenka. What happened to you, Yoshko? asked Helchin, his big belly bouncing with laughter. Got into a fight with that dog of yours? This got a couple of laughs from the men, but... As soon as the woodsman turned around, old Murph disappeared from the room. Yoshko was built like a bull and he wore a true woodsman's beard, yet beyond the rough face, plain as day, we could all see he was terrified. The woodsman didn't answer. He just swallowed the barkeep's offering. It wasn't until his second shot that he spoke. There's something in the woods. Damn right there's something in the woods. Damn snowstorm. What a fool you are to walk around there during the winter, Halchin said. But fool or not, Come and join us, let me buy you a drink. As soon as someone closes that damn door, you might actually find some warmth here. Outside, a mighty storm raged in the dying light of the afternoon. Peeking out of the curtain of snow were the outlines of the Magura forest. A forest thick enough to be dangerous, even on the brightest of summers. As the door closed, I quietly took pity on any man who'd get lost in that wilderness. The woodsman took two more helpings of the palenka before he sat down among us. The liquor smelled heavy off of him. But as soon as he took off his coat, the room filled with a stench of sweat. So, Yoshko, last week you sit here and brag about how you finished all the winter preparations a month early, but now we catch you getting lost in a forest. Never took you for a liar. Halchin boomed, hoping to get a response out of the woodsman, but... His jabs didn't land. The man sitting before us was in no mood for arguments or jokes. What brought you to the forest, friend? Halchin finally asked, with a hint of kindness in his voice. The woodsman stared into his beard as if it was to provide answers to his torment. When no answers presented themselves, he started to speak. Thought so, he said. Ever since we finished the winter work, he's been anxious. Kept on howling and biting his paws. Figured taking him out for a quick walk in the forest would help. Ah, you're treating the dog like a child. Halchin hollered. You let an animal sleep in the house and soon enough it feels entitled to complain. This got a couple of murmurs of agreement from the rest of the table. Bacha, much like the rest of the village dogs, was a product of untraceable parentage or breed. Yet he wasn't treated like the simple farm animal he was. The woodsman seldom left the house without the dog, 
kept him by his side whenever he could. He would even converse with it when he thought no one was watching. Even though both the hound and the woodsman were well-liked, many crude jokes would be made in account of their relationship. Yet no one felt like joking that night. Where is Bato? Someone asked. The woodsman didn't answer. Instead, he took a dull swig of his beer. Getting out of the house helped, he said. As soon as we got to the forest, he was off like a cannonball. Jumping around the snow, running back and forth on the path. I haven't seen him that happy all month. Wanted him to have his fun. Figured I would take him with me to check on the feeder and salt licks. The woodsman's words were hollow. It was as if his body was present in the pub, but his mind was still somewhere off in the forest. That's when I found the tracks, he said. There's something in the woods. Ah, I understand now, Halchin said, grinning. You went out for some out-of-season hunting, Yoshko. We're among friends here, so no one will report you. But if you do find yourself with some venison sausage, it would be a sin not to share. <laughs> the rest of the table laughed hungrily. So, you had a run-in with a bear? Is that what happened to your rifle? No. The woodsman said, and took another heavy swig of his beer. The tracks didn't belong to a bear, or a deer, or a boar, or anything else that roams our forest. It was something bigger, something heavier, something taller. Taller? Someone asked. Taller. The tracks went deep. The legs that left them were tall. But the tracks were still of hooves. Long, flat hooves. Thought that maybe I had come across some freak deer. Been a hard year. Figured a bit of sausage would cheer everyone up. For a moment, the woodsman smiled. For a moment, our drinking buddy was back, but then his eyes glazed over. What we found wasn't a deer. While Baco played in the snow, I followed the tracks. They ended up leading me all the way past the stream. They led to... The woodsman paused. It was as if he had suddenly become aware of who he was speaking to. He, he looked up at Helchin. They led to your fields. I trust my potatoes are doing well. Helchin laughed. <laughs> Others laughed with him. No. The woodsman said, silencing the crowd. It's as if wild boars dug through everything you planted. Everything is dug up. There's mud everywhere. That's ridiculous, someone said. No boar is smart enough to dig through the snow. Is this true, Yoshko? You're not pulling my leg? When the woodsman shook his head, all the joy had left Halchin's eyes. For a moment, Halchin sat wordlessly, letting the anger fill his cheeks. What happened next? Who dug up my fields? He finally asked. Baco was too busy running around in the snow to notice the tracks. But when we reached the fields, there was no snow to play in. I tried to get him to follow the scent, to track down what other animal destroyed your fields. He didn't want to. The woodsman's voice jumped up an octave. His dark eyes closed. Baco wanted to go home. 
See, this is what happens when you treat a dog like a child. Halchim slammed the table, nearly spilling his beer. You treat an animal like a man, and they start to form opinions. That hound was meant to follow the scent. That hound was meant to lead you to the animals that wrecked my fields. He did, the woodsman said. Baker wanted to go home, but I forced him to follow the scent. I forced him to track down the animal. Good, Halchin said, calming. Have to remind Animal who the master is from time to time. Halchin looked beneath the table, as if he expected the dog to be there, but Bacho was nowhere to be found. For a moment it looked as if the man would ask about the dog, but but he didn't. What did Bacho find? He didn't want to lead me, but I insisted. The woodsman said, his head bent over his beer in sorrow. He led me through your muddled fields down to the valley below. For a while I could see the tracks. I could see the long-legged hooves in the snow. But when we walked down the valley, the snow disappeared. All that was left was mud. Mud and fog. Bago kept whimpering. He kept looking back at me, begging me with his eyes to leave, but I didn't. I just kept on walking through the mud, hoping for some good meat. We were walking through the fog for a good ten minutes when I heard it. I heard the animal. Like a mating grunt of a deer, but darker. I heard it come from above. Above? Someone asked. From the sky. Yoshko, are you trying to tell us you saw deer mating in the sky? No one laughed. Looking at the woodsman's terrified face, no one dared to laugh. The fog was far too thick to see through. I was barely able to keep track of Bako, but I could hear it. I could hear something groaning above us. At that point, even I was scared. I couldn't see anything. The dog was nervous, and whatever was out there in the fog was big. I tried to turn around. Finally, I was going to listen to Baco's instincts, but it was far too late. The woodsman attempted to continue his story, but no words left his mouth. He was still out there. Out in the forest, trying to make sense of what him and his dog had seen. Round of palink on me, barkeep, Halchin ordered, breaking the tension for a split moment, yet, yet as the glasses of clear liquid were placed on the table, the pub descended back into complete silence. Everyone was waiting for the woodsman to speak. He remained wordless until he'd swallowed his medicine. The legs, he finally said. The legs were the first thing I saw. Tall, grey legs. Attached to a body I could not see. Those skeletal limbs were enough for me. As soon as I saw them, I ran. I ran and Bako followed me. But we weren't alone. The beast ran behind us. Its steps were frantic and clumsy. But it moved fast. Even on those disgusting thin legs, it kept up with us. And the groaning, the groaning kept on getting closer, 
as if whatever was making those horrible sounds was descending from the sky. Out of nowhere, the animal put on a burst of speed and overtook us. It nearly trampled us as it ran ahead. Then it stopped. A head descended from the fog on a sickeningly long neck. Eyes blacker than the darkest night. A long purple tongue and giant yellow teeth. Staring at me was the maddened snout of a beast I could never imagine in my worst nightmares. It foamed at its curled lips. It snapped its monstrous maw. I squeezed off one shot, went wide. By the time I loaded the next... The woodsman nodded to his rifle propped up against the table. The barrel of the gun was crushed and bent, halved by a, by a thick-toothed pipe. There wasn't a second shot. I fell to the ground, and that horrible head descended towards me. Even past the mist, I could see those dark eyes. They weren't dumb. They weren't like the eyes of an animal I've ever seen. No. There was malice in those eyes. The beast wanted me dead. Not because of hunger. Not because of fear. But out of pure spite. For a moment, I was sure that my days were numbered. But then... But... Someone whispered. The woodsman drained his mug and nodded. He jumped out of the beast's neck and tore into it. I didn't look back. I just ran. I left Baco alone with whatever spawn of hell that creature was. All that could be heard was the howling of the wind outside. We were all trying to make sense of the woodsman's story. Trying to figure out if the man had simply lost his mind in the forest, or whether there was any truth to what he was saying. Halchin broke the silence with his fist. Batsu died an honorable death for a dog, he said, slamming the table. He died serving his master. Barkeep, a round of palanca and the hound's honor. The murmurs of agreement. Another round was poured. Before the glasses were raised, however, Helchin struck a gentle tone. Yoshko, none of us here doubt your story. But you have to admit, it is a difficult one to grasp. Impossible to grasp, might I say, to those of a gentle nature. It has been a hard year. The last thing we need is the woman and children being scared of some long-legged monster in the woods. I suggest to you, and everyone gathered here, that we do not speak of this matter further. I am sure that whatever beast you encountered will not stand in Magura Forest for long. If there are still traces of it come spring, we can investigate the matter further, but as far as I am concerned, all that you and Butso encountered in the woods was a particularly restless bear. The table turned to the woodsman. We all studied his blank face in search of a response. Yes, the woodsman said after a moment of thought. Let us not speak of this further. Tubacho, Halchin said. Tubacho, we echoed. Once the glasses were drained and slammed down on the wood, another wave of silence followed. No one knew what to say. 
Surely it was no time to cast doubt upon the woodsman's story, and it was most definitely no time to make jokes, but... But conversations around the village pub seldom revolved around anything other than humor and distrust. He was a good dog, the woodsman whispered. The others started to murmur their agreement, but suddenly, everyone went quiet. There was a scratch on the door. Something was trying to get inside the pub. What was that? Someone said. Behind us, the barkeep's shotgun cocked into action. He was aiming straight at the door. The fear in the room was palpable. What once seemed like the fever dream of a man lost in the woods now seemed like an undeniable reality. There was something outside, and it wanted in. The force on the door grew more erratic. With each second, I could feel the sanity draining out of the room. We were all thinking of the long-legged monstrosity that the woodsman had described. We were all fearing for our lives. But then, the scratches were joined with another sound. A familiar sound. Behind the door, a dog whimpered. Botso! The woodsman yelled as he leapt to his feet and rushed to the door. You're alive! The dog was alive, but barely. Bacho's fur was matted in blood, and he scarcely managed to stay upright on his paws. Whatever struggle Bacho had emerged from was a brutal one. The pub immediately mobilized into a flurry of activity. Within seconds, the injured dog was wrapped up in the woodsman's coat and carried out into the night. In the spirit of communal support, or morbid curiosity perhaps, the whole pub followed the woodsman to the village veterinarian. Soon enough, Halchin and I were the only ones left in the pub. Do you think the woodsman was telling the truth? I asked. Yersko has a strange relationship with the dog, Halchin said, waddling over behind the bar and grabbing a bottle of palenka. But I do not take him for a liar, or a madman for that matter. The thought of some long-legged monster hiding in those woods, though. As the rest of the men trudged through the snow and darkness hoping to save Bacho, Halchin poured two shots of the clear liquid. Let me once again suggest that we do not speak of this matter until spring. Where there is or isn't something in the forest right now is not a far concern. It is winter. It has been a hard year. Let us simply tend to our homes and enjoy the fruits of our labor. He handed me the glass. I accepted it. At least the dog is alive, I said. At least the dog is alive, he said. And then in a little bastion of civilization surrounded by a dark forest. We drank. The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kuss, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, and Daniel Wengel. If you'd like to join these fine people in supporting the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Langer. And so concludes this episode of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Make sure to drop by next episode for another tale of the Long Like Beast series.